0: Are you looking for a word from God today? If so, First Baptist Dallas is glad to present this dynamic message by Dr. Robert Jeffers. Dr. Jeffers is a premier Bible teacher, pastor, and author whose practical applications of God's truth help guide and encourage those who seek to know and follow the Lord Jesus. I know you'll be blessed. And now, the message by Dr. Robert Jeffers. In 1968, a Maryland man named Irving West got involved in a fist fight at a high school carnival. When he was being arrested for disorderly conduct, he uttered a blasphemous phrase invoking God's condemnation. The next day, he stood before the judge. The judge sentenced him to 30 days in jail and $25 fine for disorderly conduct. Nobody was surprised by that. But then the judge did something very unusual. He sentenced him to an additional 30 days in jail and an additional fine for breaking a 1723 law in Maryland against blasphemy. The 1723 law said, quote, anyone who shall write or utter any profane name or words concerning the Trinity, especially our Savior Jesus Christ, shall on conviction be fined not more than $100 or in prison not more than six months or both at the discretion of the court. Well, the civil libertarians were outraged by that. I mean, why in the world would a judge think he had the right to silence somebody's speech because of some antiquated law from 1723. They thought Irving West was being treated unfairly. But the truth is, Irving West got off quite easily. If he had been living in the Old Testament days, the punishment would have been much more severe. In the Old Testament, the principle was not one strike you're out, it's one strike you're dead. There was a zero tolerance level for using God's name in vain. Today we're going to look at one of the most basic commands of God. It's the third out of 10 basic rules for living God gave. We're in a series on the 10 commandments called The 10 How to Live in Love in a World That's Lost Its Way and our study has brought us to Exodus chapter 20 verse 7. And here's the command simply, "Turn there if you will." Moses said, God said, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not leave him unpunished who takes his name in vain. What does it mean to take God's name in vain? Our own member, Dr. Eugene Merrill, in his commentary on the book of Deuteronomy, summarizes or paraphrases the commandment this way, you shall not lift up the name of Yahweh, your God, without reason. And that's what this command is all about. It's not just about profanity. It is about lifting up, using God's most holy name needlessly. Today, we're going to look at why God gives such a severe command And how to avoid experiencing the consequences of breaking that command. You know, it was Shakespeare who asked the rhetorical question, what's in a name? Well, the answer is everything. Names are very, very important. Probably if you're a parent, you've given great thought into the names that you've given to your children. Uh, Perhaps you followed a trend. There's a popular name because of a movie, a sitcom, or a novel. Some parents actually base their names on the popular culture. But far more likely, and hopefully, you named your child after somebody of great importance. Maybe it was a historical character. Or more importantly, maybe it was after a relative of yours who in some ways demonstrated a characteristic you hope your child will mirror as well. When Amy and I had our first child, Julia, we decided to name her after my mom, who was a great and courageous witness for Christ wherever she was. Our Julia never met my mom, but she continues to emulate that courage and evangelistic uh, heart in her own life. Our second daughter, we named Dorothy after my grandmother who was known for her wit as well as her compassion. And Dorothy is that way as well. She's one of the funniest people I know. We wanted to name our children after somebody who was important to us. But interestingly, that is not what they did in biblical times. In biblical times, a person's name sometimes uh, described the circumstances surrounding their birth. For example, Jacob, his name means heel grabber, the one who grabs a heel, because that's what he did with his twin brother Esau on the way to life, he grabbed his heel. I've always uh, felt bad for Jabez. In First Chronicles chapter four, his mother must have had a rough delivery because she named her son Jabez, which means pain. Can you imagine making your child's name pain? Every evening, pain, come to dinner, it's ready. I mean, that's a terrible thing to do to a child. But many times it wasn't the circumstances in the birth, it was a characteristic that the parents saw early on in the child's life. For Nabal in 1 Samuel 25, his name means fool. That's quite a title for a child, you fool. But it's not always negative. It's positive sometimes. Joshua was born to parents who were living under Egyptian slavery, but his parents saw something in him. He would be the leader. He would be salvation. That's what the word Joshua means. God is my salvation. And Joshua played a key role in the delivery of the people of Israel out of Egyptian bondage. Whenever we read a character's name in the Bible, uh, there is something about his or her character inherent in that name. And when we read about God, you shall not take the name of God in vain. What we're saying is you don't take his name in vain because his name is his character. In fact, When Exodus 27 prohibits our taking God's name in vain, you may be asking, well, which name are you talking about? Well, God has many names that describe particular characteristics, attributes of God. But there's one name God has in mind in this prohibition. It's the most holy name of God. What is that most holy name for God you're not to take in vain? It's right there in the verse. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. You say, Pastor, I don't see a name there. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God. Well, it's right there. It's the word Lord. The English translators followed the Hebrew tradition of never writing or even speaking God's most holy name, Yahweh. Yahweh is the holiest name for God. In fact, we don't really know how to pronounce Yahweh. We're just imagining how to, because there are no vowels, only consonants in the name Y-H-W-H. The reason there are no consonants is it was never meant to be uttered, this name of God. It was so holy. So the English translators of the Bible, when they come to Yahweh, they use the word Lord. But this is the holy name of God. It's the name we find in Exodus chapter three, verse 14. Remember Moses said to God "Now, when I go to Pharaoh and he asked who sent you to give me this message to let the Israelites go, who should I say sent me? And God said in verse 14, tell him I am sent you. That was God's name. I am who I am. Not I was, not I will be, but I'm eternal, I am. And then in verse 15, The Bible says, the Lord Yahweh, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and of Jacob, he has sent me to you. This is my name forever. And this is my memorial name to all generations. Yahweh is the third person singular of I am. God calls himself, I am. When we talk about him, we say he is. That's literally what Yahweh is. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It's fascinating to me in chapter 33, verse 19 of Exodus, when Moses said, Lord, show me your glory you know how God answered? He said, "I myself will make all my goodness pass before you, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord, that is Yahweh, before you." When God when Moses said, "I want to see your glory, Lord." The Lord said, "Okay, I'll tell you my name. My name is my glory. It is Yahweh." And then in chapter 34, he proceeded to link his name with his glory. The Bible says, then the Lord passed by in front of Moses and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord God, who is compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness and truth, who keeps loving kindness for thousands, who forgives iniquity, transgression, and sin. Yet he will by no means leave the guilty unpunished. And on the He will visit the iniquity of the fathers on the children, on the grandchildren, to the third and fourth generations. All of those things about God, his anger, his forgiveness and compassion, are wrapped up in that covenantal name of God, the most holy name that's never to be spoken, the name Yahweh. That's the seriousness of God's name. And the reason God takes his name seriously is because it's linked to his character. You see a great illustration of how seriously God takes the use of his name in Leviticus chapter 24. Leviticus 24 tells us a story about a man who got in a fist fight, much like Irving West. He blasphemed, Leviticus 24, 10 says, and verse 11 says, he blasphemed the name Moses wouldn't even use the name Yahweh. He just said, "This man blasphemed the name." And so the people were troubled when they heard it, and those who heard this man's blasphemy, they brought him before Moses. Said Moses, "What should we do about this?" In verse 13 and 14, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, "Bring the one who is cursed outside the camp and let all who heard him lay their hands On his head. Now why were they laying their hands on this guilty man's head? They weren't ordaining him. (laughs) They weren't pronouncing a blessing upon him. They were transferring their secondhand guilt for blasphemy for just hearing the blasphemy. They were transferring any guilt they had to this man who was responsible for the blasphemy. That's what laying on of hands meant in this sense. It was a transference, not of blessing, but of guilt. And then God passed judgment on him. Leviticus 24, 14 and 16. Let all the congregation stone him. The one who blasphemes the name of the Lord shall surely be put to death. That's how severe an offense it was to blaspheme the name of God. Now, I know what you're thinking. I'm sure glad I don't live in the Old Testament times. Man, I'm sure glad I don't serve a God who is so uptight and so vicious and bloodthirsty that he kills people for the simplest thing. I serve a God of grace and forgiveness. I sure am glad God has changed. (laughs) Do you think God has changed? Hebrews 13.8 says, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. His name is just as serious today as it was 3,500 years ago. God hasn't changed. You know, one way I know that is by reading the Lord's Prayer. Remember, the disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray. He said, all right, here's how to pray. Matthew chapter 6. Begin with praying for world peace. Did he say do that? He said, did he begin by saying, pray that the hungry will be fed? No. Did he say, pray for social justice, that there'll be an outbreak of social justice in the world? No. He didn't pray for those things first. He said, pray this way. Our Father who is in heaven, what? Hallowed be your name. Your name. He was praying for the holiness, the sacredness of God's name, that it would be realized. Why did he pray that way? Because people link a person's name with their character. What they're called is based on who they are. Let me illustrate that for you. When I say the name Abraham Lincoln, what comes to mind? You think about his appearance probably, tall, sullen expression, but more than that, you think about his character. You think about his desire to bring our country together when it was torn in two. You think about the Emancipation Proclamation. You think about his character. When I say Adolf Hitler, what comes to your mind? Well, you might think of a short man with a funny mustache, but more than that, you think of his character. Demonic intentions the extermination extermination of six million Jews during the Holocaust, you think of his character or lack thereof. It's the same thing when we talk about God. You know, the second commandment we talked about last time said, don't diminish God by wrong thoughts of God. It talks about worshiping the true God in the wrong way. Don't have wrong thoughts about God that diminish him. This third commandment is saying, Don't trivialize God by the words that you speak. When we use God's name needlessly, we are trivializing and diminishing the glory of God. Let me illustrate that for you again. Years ago, when I first started writing, I would subscribe to a monthly magazine called Writer's Digest. And in that publication every month, there would be several full-page ads taken out by corporations warning writers to be careful in their writing how they dealt with a trademarked name or brand. For example, the Xerox corporation would take out a name and uh, an ad and say, now, when you use our trademark name, Xerox, be sure you show care to the copyright. Don't ever say, he Xeroxed a copy, little x. No, you're to say he used a Xerox, capital X, copier to make a photocopy. There aren't just many kinds of Xeroxes. There's only one Xerox kind of copier. Or Coca-Cola would take out an ad. They said, when you're writing, say, they stopped by to get a Coke. Don't use Coke, little c, as if it were any kind of soft drink use, capital C, Coca-Cola. Now, that goes against our intuition. We think, well, wouldn't these companies be happy that their product's name became uh, part of the popular culture? No. They want their brand to stand out. They don't want Xerox to be any copier or Coke to be any soft drink. In fact, I wrote down this phrase from one of those companies. They said, we have spent millions of dollars to develop our name and establish that name with a product. Please don't destroy that work through carelessness or you will face the consequences. Companies spend millions of dollars protecting their brand and going after those who use the brand name in a wrong way. How much more seriously do you think God takes the use of his name, and how we employ it in everyday conversation. That's why God says, don't use my name needlessly. Because when you do, you trivialize it, you diminish it. How do we use the name of God in vain? Let me mention several ways you may have never thought of. The most common way, of course, is through profanity we use God's name. When we have an accident, when somebody insults us, if we're not careful, we profane the name of God. But it's not just limited to outbursts of anger. So are outbursts of shock and outrage that invoke God's name. No Christian ought to use regularly the phrase, oh my God, or my God, my God. That ought to be off limits. That's using God's name in vain. By the way, so is the acronym we use in social media, OMG, OMG. Have you noticed OMG? Now you're saying, oh, no, pastor, when I use that, I'm meaning, oh my gosh. Well, good for you, but anybody reading that doesn't think, oh my gosh. They think, oh my God, and you have trivialized the name of God. That's profanity. But there are other ways that we take God's name in vain, through falsehoods. That is through lies, half-truths, and outright deceptions. Some people use God's name to manipulate other people. For example, a high school student says, Mom, Dad, God told me that you're to buy me a new car. (laughs) Well, unless God really told you that, you better not do that or pastors are the worst about this. God has told me we're to build a new building. Now, I've said before, I think God is leading us to build a new campus. I think God is opening the way. I think it would be a good thing, but I was very careful never to say, God told me to do that. There's a difference. When we attach God's name to a falsehood, That's especially a severe thing to do. When people say, as God is my witness, you better make sure the next words that come out of your mouth are absolutely true. Because there's nothing worse than attaching God's name to a falsehood. You know, in Matthew chapter five, Jesus said, let your yes be your yes and your no a no. You don't have to invoke the name of God. Let your yes be your yes and no be your no. Does that mean Christians should never swear, so help me God in court? I'll let you sort that out, whether you should or shouldn't. But if you do, you better be sure you told the truth, what you say, because you've attached God's name to your statement. I was thinking about that this week. There is a very well-known attorney who has been in the news over the last couple of years. He uh, went to his bank and he wanted to withdraw some of the equity out of his house. And when you do that, you have to fill out a form for the FDIC to say what you're going to use those proceeds for. And he falsified the document. He said he was going to use it for one cause, when in fact he used it for something else. You know what happened to that attorney? He ended up in prison. He was in prison because he made a false uh, statement, and he signed that statement with his own name. The only thing worse than doing that is signing God's name to a false statement, saying, God told me to do this. God did this, and it not be true. There's a third way we take the name of God in vain, and that's through frivolity. Now, some of you are actually going to go back and see if you can find a sermon where I did this. And I will admit to you right now, I've done it in the past. I shouldn't have done it. I will try not to do it again. It's innocent in one sense, but it's really deadly in another. We should never attach God's name to a joke. Did you hear the story about the Baptist preacher, the priest, and the rabbi who went to heaven, and God said to them, blah, 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 blah. Don't do that. Don't invoke God's name in a joke. That is trivializing the name of God. A fourth way we do it is through phoniness, through hypocrisy. Jesus talked about that in Matthew 15, 7, when he said, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far away from me. You know what he's talking about there? He's talking about a worship minister, not our worship. Minister, but a worship minister who stands up leading the singing about praising the name of Jesus and he never gives a name, a thought to the name of Jesus Monday through Friday. He's just up there leading everybody, pretending he's holy. Or the pastor who stands up and talks about how important God's word is, how important prayer is, and he neither prays nor reads his Bible the rest of the week. Jesus is talking about church members who stand to worship their lips are moving, they're saying or singing the right things, but their thoughts are far away. Their thoughts are around lunchtime and what they're going to have for dinner and what they're going to be doing the next uh, week. One theologian said it this way, we misuse the name of the Lord by speaking hallowed words while living hollow lives. Don't do that. Jesus said in Luke 6, 46, why do you call me Lord, yet you do not do what I say? Why do people take God's name in vain? Why do they use the name of God needlessly if there's such severe punishment for doing so? Three reasons I've discovered. One reason is a lack of knowledge, a lack of knowledge. There's some of you listening to this message right now or here in our worship center. You didn't know this, honestly. You thought using God's name was limited to blasphemy, but you realize there are many ways to use his name needlessly. That's understandable, that's honest. You can ask God right now for forgiveness. If he hasn't struck you dead yet, you can ask him for forgiveness for what you've done and really make a commitment to him. You're not going to do that again. A lack of knowledge. A second reason people do it is because of a lack of self-control. They have used God's name so carelessly for so long that they find it a hard habit to break. Maybe they grew up in a home where that was done on a regular basis. Again, that's honest, but it's not an excuse. Let me give you three keys for guarding your speech against any kind of unwholesome speech. First of all, admit to God that you need to control your speech. Admit to God you're having difficulty doing this. You know, in James 3, 8, James says, no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil and full of deadly poison. But James isn't saying we shouldn't try because Jesus said in Matthew 12, 12, verses 36 and 37, we will be held accountable for every idle word we speak. We are going to be judged for this. So go ahead and admit to God your need to control your speech. By the way, self-control, including tongue control, is one of the evidences of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Galatians 5, and 23 says, but the fruit of the Spirit is joy, peace, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Second key for guarding yourself against blasphemy, disassociate yourself from people who take God's name in vain regularly. Now, in some cases, you may not have a choice if you work for somebody who does that. But as you're able, remove yourself from close association with people who break this commandment. In Proverbs 22, verses 24 and 25, Solomon said, do not associate with a man given to anger and do not go with a hot-tempered man or you will learn his ways and find a snare for yourself. And then finally, fill your mind with edifying thoughts about God. It's not enough to say, don't do this. Don't speak God's name in vain. You've got to replace that habit with a good habit. Start thinking about the holiness, the sacredness of God's name. In Psalm 111 verse 9, here's a great verse to remember. Psalm 111 verse 9, holy and awesome is your name. Or Ephesians 4.29, Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification, for building up, that it may give grace to those who hear it. Why do people break this commandment and use God's name in vain? A lack of knowledge, a lack of self-control. A third reason, a lack of a genuine salvation experience. I'm going to tread carefully here, but I want to share a conviction of my heart and what I've seen for more than 40 years of pastoring. I don't think it's possible for somebody who has had a genuine encounter with God, who has come to the point that he realizes his desperate sin and his need for a savior, I don't think it's possible for that person to regularly, habitually use God's name in vain, especially the name of Jesus Christ. When people blaspheme, use the name of Jesus Christ as a profane statement, or they joke about Jesus, I don't think You can do that and be saved. I think if you've genuinely encountered the Lord, you're going to have the same experience that Peter did. Luke 5, 8. When he came to the understanding who Jesus was, he fell down before Jesus and said, Lord, depart from me, for I am a sinful man. That's the attitude of somebody who has really encountered the Jesus of the Bible. Years ago, I was on a program for a Christian organization. The MC for the program was a boisterous man and uh, every other word was God this, God that, Lordy, Lordy, Lordy. And at one point he said, now if you're not a part of our organization, you need to pray that Jesus will save you. In fact, let's bow our heads right here and pray that Jesus saves us for not being a part. of it. And on and on and on he went in that vein. Later in the program, they gave an award to a missionary. And when this missionary took the stand, she said, in a very soft-spoken voice, she said, any good thing in my life is because of what my Savior Jesus has done for me. He saved me, he called me to his service, and I dedicate this award to him. Now." Two different people with two different attitudes about the name of Jesus Christ. Again, I don't think it's possible to continually blaspheme the name of Jesus Christ and be a true follower of Jesus Christ. Many of you know the name of Jack Hayford, great pastor who just went home to be with the ward recently. Jack used to tell this story about Being with his family on vacation, they ended up out in the middle of nowhere and needed gasoline. So they pulled in, they found a filling station. And uh, the attendant came out. He looked like he was straight out of a sitcom. He had a greasy hat and a toothpick sticking out of his mouth. And Jack said, would you fill my car up with gas? He said, yeah. He was filling the car up with gas. And he said to Jack, hey, mister, this God blank tire of yours But he didn't use a blank. He said the GD thing. He said, this GD tire of yours is about to blow. And if it does, it could be a disaster for you. Can I change it? And Jack thanked him and said, well, thank you very much for doing that. And so for the next 20 minutes, this guy worked on the tire and every other word was GD. This GD tire, this GD car, this GD highway and GD this and GD that. Finally, Jack couldn't take it any longer. He said, sir, would you please stop saying that? I don't want God to damn my car. I don't want God to damn my family. And that's what you're asking him to do. Please don't say that any longer. And the attendant was startled. He said, well, 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 sir, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to offend you. And Jack said, you know, you're a mechanic, you work with tires, and because of your observation, You saved me and my family from a potential disaster, and I want to thank you for that. But I'm a pastor. I work with souls. And as I heard you talking about God and the way you were, I thought, you know, this man saved my family from a disaster. I want to save him from a disaster. So I'm here to tell you, sir, you can't use God's name that way without paying a heavy, heavy Christ. And I'd say the same thing to you. I don't pretend to be any better or any holier than you are. I'm a fellow Christian with you, but I'm your pastor. I care about what happens to you. And I would say to you this morning, you can't use God's name carelessly without disaster. Don't keep using the name of God needlessly. On behalf of Dr. Robert Jeffress and everyone at First Baptist Dallas, thank you for joining us today. Our hope and prayer is that the biblical truth of this message will continue to be a blessing to you as you apply it to your life. For more information about First Baptist Dallas, we invite you to visit our website, firstdallas.org. May God bless you richly today.